Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Streaming Wasteland. I'm Greg, and with me always is Ringo. Say hi, Ringo. Hi, Ringo. Every week, right down the middle. Hell yeah. This week, we are taking a look at 2015's Pound of Flesh, rated R, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. A man's heroic attempt to help a woman in distress ends up with him waking up the next day without a kidney and plotting his revenge. We have JCVD as Deacon, John Ralston as George, Aki Along as Kung, and Charlotte Peters as Anna. Guest star Darren Shalavi as Drake. I say guest star because he plays the villain, but he's in it for, I don't know, like two minutes of the entire movie. Quick synopsis. After waking up from a wild night with a woman, Deacon realizes his kidney has been stolen. This is bad news because his kidney was supposed to go to his niece, who is dying from a rare kidney condition. Deacon then calls Kung, an old friend of his, and George, his brother, to help track down the missing kidney. Eventually, this pits them against the largest private military contractor around and his army of henchmen, led by Drake. Ringo, what did you think of this movie? What was your first impression? Well, I wasn't open up with me making a snore sound, but I think that's just too on the nose here. Uh, <laughs> you know, my first impression was, cool, we're going to go ahead and watch a Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. And, you know, as you and I discussed at one point, we've both watched a lot of, uh, you know, the old 80s and 90s action films. I grew up watching Arnold Schwarzenegger shooting, uh, you know, aliens and uh, Rocky going ahead and fighting the Russians and Jean Claude doing splits. Yeah, man. So I, I was mean, also I was also pretty pumped. I was like, yes, JCVD. And then you know, like honestly, with the show we're doing, we probably should have known that this wasn't <laughs> going to be a good movie. It's not like we're picking good ones, but uh, as I've joked yeah. several times, I, I've put you through so many Bloodsport references this week, but we are <laughs> a long way from the Kumite with this one. <laughs> hey, that's a secret, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, the super secret Kumite that everybody knows about. Yeah, that everybody talks about. Uh, you know, you know, we, we still hope to go ahead and find uh, a gem somewhere in this, and I was kind of hoping that this would just kind of rekindle that 80s action flick kind of garbage that I, I love watching, but I mean, Ultimately, this was just like a kidney, you know, kidney punch, man. I felt like I was, I felt like I needed to go pee out blood after watching this, man. Um, <laughs> it it felt like someone had, you know, dunked me in an ice bath and and taken both my kidneys, not one, and didn't leave me any money or drugs. So uh, I was worse off after uh, after this than Jean Claude was. At least Jean Claude got laid early on in the movie and woke up in ice. I I woke up in pain. After the hour and something, this movie was. Yeah, say so you woke up at the end of the movie in pain. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, so like you were saying, I was also hoping that this kind of rekindled that that A's vibe, that like cheesy, trashy action movie, and I think it would if you didn't already like cheesy. 80s action movies but because like because we all grew up watching them and i say we all you and me and people our age watching these we all grew up watching stuff like universe soldier Bloodsport, the various arnold schwarzenegger movies like all the stallone movies etc this actually just reminds me of for me i do most of the grocery shopping around here and every week when i go to the cereal aisle i see all the cereals i see all of these like you know cinnamon toast crunch with extra birthday cake bits and some cheesecake thrown in and then instead of milk we use frosting and you just eat it and i'm like fuck yes dude oh my god i want that because when i was a little kid you couldn't have any of that right you were just like why why can't i get like the sugar blast cereal and your parents are like come on man look at look at how you're acting in the store 
this movie is the sugar blast cereal of that because at the end of the day these days after i look at all the cereals and i'm like do i get birthday cakes cinnamon toast crunch i pick up the box i look at it and i put it back down and i go grab something responsible right like honey nut cheerios and i walk away and i'm pretty happy with the honey nut cheerios and this is the cinnamon toast crunch birthday cake edition of movies it it should be good you should like it when you were a little kid you would have loved it but now you know better you know you shouldn't buy that it's it's just not going to be good and even as this movie starts i got the sense like watching that first five minute scene of him waking up in the bathtub and replaying what went on the night before in like that pseudo sin city style with the black and white but all the reds are in color i was just like oh fuck I, I wish you hadn't reminded me about that beginning. Man, that beginning was so atrocious. Mind you, I have it marked down. It took him eleven it took us eleven minutes and twenty three seconds to find out Deacon's name. <laughs> and I I was kinda wondering, I was like, did uh did they say it earlier on or like did I just did I just miss it? No, I, I checked. It took eleven minutes and twenty three seconds for us to finally get the main character's name after listening to him and Anna. And someone, I, I, I think it might have been Anna, dialoguing for 11 minutes while he's going, <laughs> trying to get out of the bathtub. Oh, yeah, that was that was him and Kung. Oh, was that him and forth. Kung? Yeah, because he calls, and then uh, that's I think that's when he actually says his name. Oh, wait, no, he says, it's me, because, you know, how people act on their mm-hmm. phones. Uh, but, yeah, then he Kung shows up, and he's just like, hi, Deacon. And we're like, oh, JCVD's name is Deacon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also like how calm everybody is with the massive amount of blood that's in his bed in that scene. Right? Like, everybody reacts briefly with distress. They're like, what happened? And he's like, I got my kidney stolen. And they're like, man, not again. Like, (laughs) as if this happens all the time. They're like, classic kidney harvest. Jeez, can't believe that was you, Jean-Claude. Well, you know, we'll know for a fact that it happens multiple times when pounds of flesh come out. (laughs) No, it's got to be, next is going to be tons of flesh. (laughs) Which is my stripper name, actually. Ah, yeah, that's, you know that's a good change. It's <laughs> a good change from last time. Wouldn't you? I? I don't know, man. When I when I go brush my teeth and then start flossing and I spit out a little bit of blood, I panic about that, man. I'm a hypochondriac, so that, that's kind of why I panic about that. So when I go talk to my dentist or my doctor, I'm like, I'm spitting out blood. They're like, you're fine. If I looked in my bed and there was that much blood, I'd be like, goddamn, I'm dying. I'm gonna be dead before je- uh, before my wife, you know, gets up here to come save my ass. <laughs> yeah, well, and so like. The the main character, Deacon, where we kind of find out that he's a kidnap and rescue specialist, even though, in his own words, what I'm really good at is killing people. But he he makes sense, right? He's seen a lot of blood. Even though it's his blood, I guess you don't freak out if you've if you've killed enough people and uh what do you say, walked across the Afghanistan desert on two legs? Two, two broken, broken legs. legs. Yeah, obviously you would do it on two legs, that's very strange. But yeah, two broken legs. I suppose the blood doesn't bother you as much. Kung makes sense. This We get the sense that he was a formerly connected criminal person who's turned good and now kind of lives a more uh, humble or simple life. And so it makes sense that he wouldn't freak out about the blood. But when his brother George shows up and opens the door and sees all that blood and this dude's just like, what happened? And, you know, Deacon shows him the scar. George is just like, every time, man. And like, is this is this like how the Lyle family gatherings go is you you guys get all bloodied up and then you storm off anger every time all the blood. (laughs) Could you imagine like their family gathering is just them showing off scars? Yeah. So I woke up and I was missing my arm. Yeah, it's like a bad version of the Expendables. (laughs) 
just a bunch of old, a bunch of old special operations guys who have like really bad scars, and one religious man who doesn't understand what's going on. Yeah, he's just praying for them. But that is just, a, a major theme in this movie, right? Is all of the uh, Bible references, church references. I mean, his name is Deacon. His brother's name is George. There is a whole like bunch of talk about the Bible and being a good person and living with yourself and dying, etc. It feels really, really out of place. Yeah, no, it felt like it was kind of just slapped on like a like a band aid over a paper cut. That's how it felt to me. It was so weird to have George pop up in like all these different scenes, and she's like, "That's a sin. That's a sin. That's a sin. That's a sin." Why are you here? Why are you yeah. here? Yeah, and we get that he doesn't know what his brother does. We just they haven't talked. They're estranged, but we also could kind of infer that about the time. John or John Rawson, George looks at like his brother kind of whoop a waitress's ass and a club full of people, etc. Maybe he starts thinking like, oh, well, if I go along with this, I'm definitely an accessory. I'm in for it. I'm not 100% sure on the ins and outs of everybody's individual religious beliefs and sex and stuff, but I don't think that there are a whole lot of outs for like only being an accessory to sin. Like, I don't think that gets you a lesser sentence in uh, Bible times. So I'm not a hundred percent that George is really in the clear from the get go. The, the movie kind of makes the grave mistake of all action movies. Like there's bad action movies, which are bad, good in the way of like much of JCVD's other works um, or even all the other ones we've mentioned so far where they have a, a story that is really just a paper thin premise to get the action going. Right. Uh, I want to, I want, I want to fight in the underground tournament or I want to, I'm on a mission to trek and get this person back from out of the jungle or, you know, they shot first. So now I'll finish it. All of these things are like paper thin reasons, but they're fine because in a regular action movie, there's not really a need for a big story, right? We don't expect our characters to evolve very much. What we expect is like a twist or a betrayal, but we don't ever expect our characters to grow. At least I don't. When I'm watching a movie of this type, I'm not thinking to myself like, man, I really hope Deacon evolves as a person. I really want to get to know some more personality traits about him. And this movie kind of commits the cardinal sin of making the story more important than it should be. We find out a unnecessary amount about Deacon and George's family drama and George's dead wife, who does not appear in the movie, but except as pictures, which are clearly of the actress who plays Anna, just with a different hairstyle <laughs> to the point that they make the comment, right? She says, wow, she looks just like me. And I was like, so you guys just got a point at it. You know, it'd well, be like, I... it'd be like if in one of those Eddie Murphy movies where he plays like four different characters, they put both characters on the screen at the same time. and like, he's me. <laughs> well, so they they did that so at the end, you know, it wouldn't be like, oh my god, that end scene. I guess, <laughs> but for me, it's more along the lines of lazy, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're supposed to, like I was saying, we're supposed to like care about these characters, and th that's where this movie really falls apart. One of two places. The other, we'll talk about in just a moment, but because so much of this movie is focused on the characters themselves and their struggle to get back this kidney to give to Deacon's dying niece slash daughter, the movie tries to end on a somber note and it tries to make you feel for these characters. And it comes off flat because 
other than George, I don't think any of these people are terribly experienced actors in the field of like dramas. And so having this idea that we're going to have this range of motion for them, range of emotion anyway for them, where they're going to be able to give these performances in the middle of a, a movie about essentially getting revenge on somebody who robbed you. You're supposed to think like, oh, oh, no, what's going to happen? Are they going to make it? And I couldn't find myself caring the whole time through it. It focuses too much on this and it takes away from the movie. It adds to the the slowness and the drag that is this movie. Yeah, it really honestly does. And I think that like it had it had so many rough parts, like the thing that kind of added to to make it so difficult for me uh, watching this was the aspect that like money came up so many times and like they just kept finding it. And I, I bring this up because I'm, I'm looking at Anna's picture here and I remember that she had $30,000 to go ahead and get Jean-Claude to, to sleep with her and drug him. Uh, which, by the way, kids, that's how you lose your kidneys is by sleeping with people. Don't do it. <laughs> that is a joke. Learn about sex from someone who's not your uncle, Ringo. Um, I was going to say, it's the joke. Uh, you can't lose kidneys. <laughs> you haven't been having sex correctly then <laughs> uh oh well, maybe now i don't want to <laughs> you know anna you know has the thirty thousand dollars which we all know about uh early on in the movie well not early on in the movie but fairly early on in the movie and then george goes oh i don't have any money and then suddenly george goes i do have money here's fifty thousand dollars to go ahead and finish off the what seventy thousand dollar project they're doing to go ahead and remove jean-claude's kidney from another person yeah, well, so 20000 I think, was to get the black market doctor to put mm -hmm. the kidney into – or to get the kidney out of the person, right? And then the other 50000 that they had randomly had to come up with was to buy C4 and it weapons? It was to buy the equipment for the doctor. I thought it was to buy the equipment to break into the compound. I thought the, that, that the was military the... instructor – or military Apparently... private instructor, whatever, the private contractor. There we go. Yeah, that that should just tell us that like I didn't like I didn't register part of this movie because I do remember that they had the twenty thousand dollars and the fifty thousand dollars, but I don't exactly remember the reasoning behind it. Yeah. I just remember George going, "I don't have any money. I don't have any money. I have money." My right, guy. and I remember that they're sitting there in his like little secret cabin, and he's like, "Oh." I do have money, and he just opens the drawer. It's my dead wife's life insurance money. I was never going to touch it. It's just, it felt like so, like you said, they brought up the money thing a bunch of times, and it just never paid off. Mm -hmm. it, those problems were solved, like, immediately. It'd be like if you and I were walking down the street, and I was like, oh, damn, how are we going to pay for the food we're going to go get? And you were like, huh, well, I have a debit card. I was like, hey, me too. And then we just kept walking. Well, so, you know, I wouldn't tell you that I have a debit card until we've already ordered. And then we're like, oh, we got to pay for it. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I guess that's it. true. I don't, I don't have any money. And then we'd go grab the food when they call our names and go, okay, here, I'm paying for it. Yeah, this movie definitely has that issue where problems are solved pretty much as they're presented. It's somewhat mm -hmm. ridiculous. The Even in the, the very beginning when he's trying to start tracking down who took this kidney from him, he is able to basically focus hard. And remember what club he went to. And then the girl who was working the night before just happens to still be there like 12 hours later in the morning. Uh, I'm guessing club shifts at these clubs are very long. But yeah, she's still there. And then she sticks a bunch of people on him. He beats them up. Which, that was a minor nitpick of mine throughout this movie. But I think 
regardless of how strong the morphine is, if you've just had a, a major incision on your back, it looks like it takes up like a third of his back and they got his kidney out. You're not rolling around and doing flips and getting punched because that thing is opening up and you are going to bleed out. So it's pretty sweet that you have morphine for the pain, but one backflip, one roll on the ground, and you're probably passed out. Or someone kicking you in the back or something. I Someone punched him somewhere near the back, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was one of the first guys he fought. Yeah. And while you're talking about that, I just realized he lost a lot of blood when they opened him up. And probably lost a lot of blood in the, in the, the bathtub. So he's probably also still losing blood while he's walking around. So at this point in time, he's anemic at the very best. Yeah, so I was... I actually mentioned this to my wife while I was watching the movie. I... I usually don't care about this sort of thing in action movies, but because of the setup of this one exactly, please eat something, Jean-Claude. They tell you to eat something when you donate a little bit of blood. They give you like a cookie and some juice. So if you've lost a bunch of blood that you weren't planning on losing and you'd been drinking the night before where your blood is thinner, etc., you need to eat. There's no way you're getting up, uh, taking a few pills, and then roundhousing dudes across Manila. Yeah, although I think it would have been kind of entertaining to watch him just... uh chew on a, a cookie occasionally just pull one like out of his pocket and just start nibbling on it <laughs> <laughs> gotta keep my levels up <laughs> but the other thing since we're still talking about the beginning of this movie a little bit and and effectively talking about the end spoilers there's not a whole lot that goes on in this movie that's really worth mentioning detail by detail it's why the synopsis is basically like and then trouble mm-hmm. but the the beginning of the movie actually sets up Two, the two other things that ruin this movie for me. One is it's a trope from forever, but I don't like it when bad guys attack one by one. It drives me insane that John Claude is basically able to stand at a bar like and within a five foot range, he took out seven dudes because they just waited. But the the other thing that happens is at the very end of the scene. So he takes out like five or six like hired muscle Filipino bouncers. And then we see what looks to be like the big boss of the club, like the final boss of this level, this giant like corn fed looking dude stands up he's probably a good like half a foot taller than Jean-Claude looks like he's pure muscle and in like three seconds Jean-Claude beats him by kicking him in the ankle and then punching him in the face and if that sounds anticlimactic that's how the rest of these fight scenes go they are incredibly long and slow moving with Mm -hmm. almost no choreography to them and the it feels like what happened is that the director shot all of them. They got all the stuff done, then realized their movie came out to maybe 70 minutes. So they were like, oh, well, we got to lengthen it up. So you get really, really long shots of Jean-Claude choking a dude for like a minute or mm-hmm. a slow-mo shot of him delivering like one punch. Even the final villain, Drake, who we've not talked about because he's not really worth mentioning. All of the characteristics you need to know about him are he's younger than Jean-Claude, he's British, and he used to be in the Secret Service or the the Special Armed Services of the UK. Other than that, he is any other henchman. They fight. It's a little bit more convincing. Then in the fight, Deacon stabs Drake in the leg, and as Drake stands up and starts like talking to him about, oh, well, you thought you could beat me, but you'll never beat me. Deacon's like, oh, yeah, well, I stabbed your artery and you're dying. And then Drake's like, oh, I am. And then falls over. (laughs) This is the this is the climax action wise of the movie. That's the last fight that happens. Everything else after it, it goes on for another 15 minutes is supposed to be like emotional payoff. It is not. It is corny, hacky acting. 
there's nothing good in this movie to redeem it from this ending. It's very hard to to sign off on this. I, I really yeah. thought I'd go into this and be like, hey, if you're somebody who likes cheesy action movies and this one's for you, I can't even recommend that. There there has to be something better. I watched The Equalizer 2 this week. It is like miles away better than this movie. And it's not a particularly great movie. It's just so much better than this. Yeah, I believe it. Um, something to add to another reason why you should, probably shouldn't watch this. Uh, if you can't tell, I have a gripe with George, uh, partially because of the religious, religious spin that they put on him. Um, he's constantly griping about, you know, that's a sin, that's a sin. We shouldn't do this. We shouldn't do this. And yet he's fighting to go ahead and get his daughter, not daughter, the kidney. And the last major fight scene, his brother Deacon's been shot. Um, he doesn't know if his brother's alive. So he's like, well, I got to go in there, uh, grabs a shotgun. And Anna goes, have you ever shot a, Have you ever used one of those before? And George goes once when I was a kid, my dad took me and Deacon out hunting, proceeds to go in, shoots a guy, walks into the building, points the, the gun at an old woman who comes out of nowhere, doesn't shoot her. Cause he, I mean, he flicks that shotgun on, like on her, like point blank almost doesn't shoot her and then immediately 180s and blasts a guy from that's down below him that appeared out of nowhere. God was on his side. That's the only explanation I can have for that. Or, <laughs> or George set this whole thing up and he was actually a super operations, black ops, ninja warrior, special ninjutsu Superman. <laughs> Yeah, uh, George clearly has the same genetics as Deacon because that's why they're both so good at killing people. It's <laughs> it's bloodlines. That's really the the only answer that we can can give to this. But yes, the the Bible thumping from Deacon seems a little bit hollow at the end of the movie when he's when like you said he one eighty no scopes a guy and then shoots the bad guy in the chest, but. But not in the head, which I guess is understandable, but he shoots him literally right in the bulletproof vest. It's not like it's under his shirt. He looks at the vest and he's like, I'll shoot him there. Mm-hmm. Well, Maybe yeah, we're we... supposed to read that as like, um, was it like a last moment of religion? Like, no, this is the little bit I have. Mm-hmm. And yet he, he'd go ahead and point the shotgun at a 13-year-old. Right? If that, if that, if that little kid was even that old. Yeah, he was a child. Like I think he said they, that he was 11. Now I'm thinking about it. I don't yeah, know. That the sounds, kid was young. Yeah, it sounds real young. But see, how far would you go for your kid? Would you murder another kid to get a kidney for your kid? No. Yeah, me neither. Uh, you know, I, I love my kid. Uh, I I would hope that I'm a, a match, but uh, since I'm not his bio father, I would have to go <laughs> ahead and find someone and take their kidney. Yeah, and that whole thing about, like, oh, it's actually Deacon's kid because he Ugh. and Anna hooked up once, and it's just, blech. That, again, way too much information about the family in the movie and not enough action. When Kung dies, again, we're supposed to feel emotional, and I was like, this character has has literally basically just griped the whole time. You know, I can't believe you're asking me to do this. It's going to cost money. The police aren't on my side anymore. Just like a whole bunch of stuff. It feels like they tried to pack a lot of cliches into this movie. It almost feels like maybe they were hoping that this would become one of those movies that's like uh, ironically bad and people that ironically like it. Like, oh, you know, yeah, of course that's the cliche. But it, it doesn't cliche hard enough. Like, it doesn't get close enough to parody to make you really feel that way. It instead just kind of lands in this weird 
Nebula's not a good movie zone. Yeah, and you know what? Um, when Kong died, I actually breathed a sigh of relief because after like 35 cuts to show me that he's being blown up by a grenade the size of, <laughs> you know, my mouse over here, um, that caused an explosion that pretty much leveled the whole entire house. I was like, that scene couldn't have gone on any longer. Mm-hmm. Oh, Again. Wait. Again, seems like they found out that their runtime wasn't where they were at. So, like, let's just use all the shots we have of this. Yeah, it really left us nowhere to run on that shot. Yeah. Uh, we haven't really talked about her, but Charlotte Peters plays Anna. She has only been in a couple movies. I don't know if she's a good actress or not, but in this movie, it's hard to tell if she was a bad actress or if the writing was bad or both. Because she's as, like, her performance is just wooden and flat everything about it like every time she's supposed to show emotion i see none of it when she's begging for her life and trying to explain no i would never do that to you it it's literally as convincing as i'm making it sound right now you have to understand i just needed money and it's just like okay (laughs) that's that's why a lot of people do stuff it doesn't make it great yeah it doesn't you know <laughs> I'm not going to forgive you for going ahead and roofing me and taking my kidney. <laughs> but she needed money. I, I'm just, Greg, if you roofie me and take my kidney, because we're friends, I'll forgive you. But if we weren't friends... <laughs> but if you were a stranger, boy howdy, I would call my old crime contacts and look you up. <laughs> yeah, because if I don't forgive you, my wife would go ahead and like beat my butt and then make me f- forgive you. She'll be like, you guys are friends, make up. (laughs) But yeah, there's also a fun underground fight scene in this because that's all JCVD knows. Like, Bloodsport was a huge hit, so gotta keep throwing underground fights into his movies. This was also really boring. He choked a dude out for like three and a half minutes. That was the highlight of that entire scene. There's a bunch of dudes with guns that don't shoot anybody ever. (laughs) <laughs> it's I don't know. It also that final gunfight where they've got Deacon pinned behind the pillar on the stairs. Mm-hmm. He he should have died. Mm-hmm. There was no way. Like he there's just no way. He 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 was dead. I don't oh. know how bulletproof people think that like plaster is, but it's not. I'm assuming not that bulletproof. So so um leaning on on some of the training that I had in the military um we're we're trying to go ahead and find uh cover if we're ever in a in a gunfight and there's two different versions there's like cover and concealment concealment is essentially like a bush it'll like kind of you know make it so you can't be seen very easily so it makes it more difficult for you to get shot concealment means a round's going to go through it yeah concealment concealment a round will go through but if you have cover cover will stop rounds up to a certain point right plaster like what he was on you know hiding behind he probably would have had like i don't know uh if i had to guess 10 rounds before something probably went through it, it wouldn't do a lot of damage but it definitely poke him in the side yeah well and they also have him surrounded like three quarters of the way there was like one tiny little angle that he could stand at and i get that you know they couldn't necessarily run in front of him because he would shoot him but they they showed throughout the movie that they have grenades so mm-hmm. they could have just thrown a flash grip flashbang at him and then got him and then oh. movie over yeah, they even showed early on. Uh, you just reminded me they showed earlier on. So they had the grenade that killed Kung, and then before Kung, the villain, which I don't remember what his name Drake. is, Drake. Uh, he had a flash bomb. Yeah, throw a flash bomb down, blind Deacon, go over and just load him up with rounds. 
Yeah. He probably would have kicked it back, though, or something. Mm-hmm. You know, this movie's ridiculous like that. But that would have been the most exciting scene in the movie, is him kicking a grenade. That would have been exciting than everything else. Yeah, but, you know, he doesn't retreat and he doesn't surrender, so. <laughs> is, is he in Galaxy Quest? <laughs> <laughs> is he a Spartan? <laughs> he might think he is. <laughs> Killing is my speciality. But yeah, this is overall just not a good movie. This is a long way down from Jean-Claude Van Damme. The last thing I think I saw him in before this was the JCVD movie, mm-hmm. which is kind of a satire on his life. I guess technically Expendables 2, I think, came out after that, and he was the villain in that. I would say that Jean-Claude Van Damme, much like many of his fellow co-stars, best left in the 90s we've gone from universal soldier to universal donor in this movie and i can't really recommend it at all Uh, yeah i mean this movie really left me in hell and it was super expendable at the end of the day it's just not a good movie i don't think either one of us could recommend it even if you're an action junkie by the time this movie's over you'll feel ripped off um if you're some sort of if you're somebody who likes like dramas, this movie's not nearly going to cut it for you. And if you're looking for comedy, this movie doesn't have it. The you get a couple like quips, but there's not even a worthwhile one-liner in here. So overall, skip this. There are no end of there's no shortage of movies that run about the same. This one's an hour forty, so there's no shortage of 100-minute movies that you could watch that are much better than this. Like I said earlier, the Equalizer slash Equalizer 2, both of them better movies than this. The entire collection of Jean-Claude movies from the 80s, better movies than this. I just, I can't recommend it. Uh, yeah, Man, I'm going to go don- donate a kidney just so I never have to watch this movie. Get, like, honestly, if someone told me, hey, donate your kidney, you're not going to get anything else out of this, but we will make sure that you never, never have to watch, you know, Whatever this movie is called. What's this movie called? I've forgotten already at this point in time. Pound of Flesh. <laughs> uh, yeah, if someone said donate a kidney and you'll never, ever have to see, think about, talk about, witness Pound of Flesh, I'd donate it in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, I think I'd keep my kidneys, but I'm certainly never going to put this on again. If somebody were to ask, I would point them in the direction of this episode and then absolutely never watch this movie. All right, on that note, thank you guys for listening to Streaming Wasteland. Please go like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find us there. Uh, I'm Greg, this is Ringo, and we are out of here. Bye!